listening to First Church Charlotte. Greetings, everyone. It's an honor to spend a few moments with you on this Wednesday evening. We are continuing a Bible study series that we started last week, and we're using that old song, All I Want for Christmas, to talk about things that spiritually we, we all crave. We don't always know. We don't always know we crave these things because sometimes we we deceive ourselves and we think that something else will satisfy. And we, uh, like generations of humanity before us, we pursue those things that we believe will satisfy us. Um, I think there's an old story here that goes something like this: You pursue, you pursue, you finally get uh, or attain or accomplish. And to your astonishment, you realize that uh, it actually feels quite different to have something or to accomplish something or to do something than it does to want that. And if you were broken in the pursuit of it, having attained it, you will often awaken to the truth that it was never able to make you whole. That which you pursued, you longed for, you loved, it was it was never going to make you whole. It was great motivation. Hopefully you used it and you you know, pursued it and attained it, but it was never going to make you whole. So what is it that we crave? What is it that we desire? Uh, last week I talked about how uh, the, the, the psalmist, not the psalmist, excuse me, Isaiah, uh, he wrote this longing and hunger for God and said, oh, that thou wouldest rend the, the heavens and come to where I am. And I uh, referred you to Job in the middle of all his, his troubles saying, uh, oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to where uh, he is, where he sits. Um, there is a craving within us uh, to connect with God, the mortal to the immortal, the, the uh, temporal to the eternal, and so be made whole by embracing that which we perceive. One of the unique things about being made in the image of God is our ability to perceive the eternal, to to feel a universe beyond ourselves, and to desire to transcend this short life that we're living, this short-term existence that we are, in many cases, uh, living out, and to attain that which is of eternity, that which is of God. So last week I talked about the hunger for God. What I wanted for Christmas was God to come near uh, to where I am. And uh, this week I want to talk about what I want for Christmas is someone to believe in. Um, All I want for Christmas is someone, something to uh, believe in. Let Let me read you lyrics from a song um, I don't remember the, the writer of the song, but I, I have these lyrics. Is there someone I can believe in? Is there somewhere I can hide? Take me out of the straits I'm in. Come and stay here by my side. Somebody I can rely on. I broke the law. I've been set free. Give me something to decide upon. Come and show yourself to me. Now, I don't believe that was a Christian song, but uh, the lyrics very much express the deep longing that is within all, all of us. We live in a, a cynical age. Um, it is my personal belief that one of the most popular things in this generation is to 
embrace cynicism and believe that it makes you intelligent or sophisticated. Um, I think this is most aptly presented by the manner in which Hollywood presents characters to us. Whenever they want, and this is my personal opinion, as I said, whenever a Hollywood producer wants to make a character seem um, smart or or in some way, I don't know, street smart, intelligent, they, they make him or her nihilistic. And nihilism means you just believe in nothing. Uh, there's no right or wrong. There's no good, bad. It's just this life and how we navigate it. And so whenever the producer, it seems, in my opinion, whenever they're trying to make someone intelligent or uh, street smart or gritty, they always make him or her a philosophical nihilist, as if to say cynicism is the path to understanding your world. Uh, This, to me, uh, is such a cop-out. This is such a cop-out. It's such a... uh, a flawed narrative that people tell themselves. Um, it's a way to be done with something you haven't understood. Cynicism is a way to dismiss something you haven't comprehended. All you did was get bored or weary with it and pronounce judgment. You didn't understand it. Um, cynicism is an attitude that's characterized generally by a distrust of other people's motives. You automatically assume uh, people you come across in your life has bad motives concerning you. They automatically are uh, in some way trying to take what is yours or advantage themselves at your expense. And so if it's a teacher, they don't care about me. They just want to do their thing. Um, if it's a, uh, if it's a boss, uh, they don't care about me. They, you understand what I'm saying? Um, if it's a pastor, uh, they don't care about me. You automatically assume the worst motive for them. Um, and I think uh, it's very revealing to the individual who chooses it. Um, I think what you're really saying is, um, and again, this is my opinion, um, I don't care about them. Whenever we tell ourselves a story involving others and we impute to them beliefs they have toward us, most commonly, uh, you are reflecting in a non-self-aware manner what you feel toward them. Um, if you think they're cheating you, um, that's because in their shoes, you would cheat you. <laughs> Do you see? This is the source, uh, I believe, of cynicism in so much of our, of our society. And this general lack of faith in others or their motives, or this general lack of hope in others or their motives, um, it, uh, I think, in some ways puts us in an early grave. Uh, some part of us dies within, so to speak. And I know that's a dramatic way to say it, but it's almost as though we're done at that point. Um, I think the great error is that because two or three people have tried to do you wrong, you think everybody wants to do you wrong. And why is this sad to me? Because... There's probably been a lot of, a lot of people in your life who have disadvantaged themselves to help you. There's probably been a lot of people who went out of their way to help you. Uh, you may not celebrate them. You may not remember them. You may not think they are important. Um, you may be kind of trapped in your own 
narrative circle and you tell yourself this story. Um, but I, I want to challenge all of us today to not settle for a cynical approach to, uh, to life, a cynical approach to others. Um, we're not to be naive where others can take advantage of us, but we can very much live in a place where when you show me you are a bad actor, then I will treat you like a bad actor. But I won't treat you like a bad actor without any evidence. I won't assume the worst about, about you. Um, so a cynic a lot of times ends up with a general lack of faith um, in, in, uh, in the people in their life. And they preemptively burn the bridges of connection and then wonder why they're miserable. We are all of us social people. We have to connect one with another. Um, as you know, we say in our cliches, no man is an island. Uh, that, that's quite true. Um, even in the worst prison populations, the worst thing you can do to people is to isolate them from everyone. Um, it is, it is an unnatural, an unnatural state of being for, um, who we are as individuals. And so we assume in our cynicism that everyone's motivated by vanity or greed or, you know, materialism or et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and we, we, as it were, burn bridges of connection to people who, um, they, they could have been a positive relationship. But we assume it's going to be bad before we give it a chance. And uh, cynicism can appear um, very commonly as the first cousin to depression. <laughs> this, is, this is not just my idea. Um, one author, uh, I, I, I think his name is, I can't pronounce his name, but his book is The Critique of Cynical Reason. Um, and he describes um, cynics as borderline Melancholics, uh, they're, they're, they're melancholy, they're sad, they're in a type of mourning. And they, they keep their symptoms of depression under control, and yet they are functional depressives, like a functional alcoholic or a functional drug addict. They are functionally depressed, but they have retained the ability to work um, and live life in spite of the fact that they are living, walking, breathing uh, depressed people. Um, a study published in the journal Neurology in 2014 found an association between high levels of late life cynical distrust. Now they use a scoring uh, mechanism to, to score people for cynical distrust. Um, you can read the story. It's, as I mentioned, in the journal Neurology. Um, but what they did is they, they followed people, six, over 600 people, uh, for eight years, and uh, they people who scored high on the rating of cynical distrust, they had three times the likelihood of developing dementia uh, in their life, in uh, in their the health of their 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 brain, three times as likely to develop dementia, um, and <laughs> it's actually it's actually. Uh, there's more research on this. Uh, one of the most recent studies came out in uh, the Journal of Experimental Psychology just this year, and they said that every day, and this they're talking about a, a feedback loop where if you let yourself be cynical, it's more likely you will deepen uh, those canyons of cynicism and this negative feedback will start in your life where you're expecting people to be bad, 
they sense it, treat you bad, then you decide people are bad, and so turns the wheel. This is from the study, Everyday Experiences of Disrespect, Elevated Cynical Beliefs, and Vice Versa. Moreover, cynical individuals tended to treat others with disrespect, which in turn predicted more disrespectful treatment by others, end quote. Um, here is the thing, and this is what I'm trying to work my way around to uh, in this moment I have of your time. Uh, to be spiritually healthy, you need to believe in something. Um, to be spiritually healthy, I don't just mean Christian spirituality, I mean human spiritual spirituality. Um, to be spiritually healthy, you need to believe in something. Um, I, I, as a believer, have chosen the beautiful, uh, demonstrated love of Jesus Christ as the highest star in my sky. Um, that redemptive act of no greater love than this, that a man lay down his life for a friend. Um, I've chosen that as what I believe in. Um, but if you chose something else, uh, such is, is your right. But let me say this, to be spiritually healthy, you need to believe in something. So those of you who are believers, and I, I know the vast majority of you watching this are, um, you interact every day with people in your world, in your life, who are um, they're struggling with cynicism. They are, they are trapped in this negative sequence of bad experience equals bad opinion of others, equals bad treatment of others, equals more bad treatment by others. You see, and that hole just keeps digging deeper and deeper. And as a believer, uh, you have been able, by the demonstrated love of God, to step out of that self-defeating cynicism. And now you see others doing it. Um, you will see them trying to find something to believe in. Um, if they have a negative view of Christianity, they probably aren't ready to you know, return to the, uh, the fold without some, shall we say, experiences and some becoming and some, even some trials. Um, but they're trying to find something to believe in. If you're a parent and you have ch a child who seems to be all over the place and, uh, and they're into this for a while, they're into that for a while, they believe this for a while, they are trying to find something uh, to believe in, something that makes their life whole. They may not use that language. They may not say it like I, uh, you know, I'm a professional communicator, spiritual, religious communicator. They may not say it like I say it, but that's what they're doing. Uh, and they're expressing it in various ways. And the journey uh, may take many, many paths. It may be expressed in dreams and plans for business. Um, and if they find business success, that's enough. I know people who their business success is enough for them to believe in. They don't really care about anything else. But for some people, that's not enough. Um, and if that individual who has chosen that is enough, I, I would suggest they will come to a time of their life and they'll feel like it's all been kind of a joke played on them. It was never enough. But uh, that's my belief as a, as a Christian. Um, you'll see that person who you are watching search for something. You will see them uh, try uh, perhaps various esoteric religious pursuits, everything from Eastern beliefs to uh, things that are essentially harmless but just reflect a subculture of acceptance. 
Um, you'll find them pursue various, in some circumstances, uh, entertainments, various hobbies, various sports. They're looking for something uh, to believe in. Some people find secular religions. Now, to me, any type of a secular religion is a belief in something of this world that that would make the world better or make the world whole. Uh, this isn't, uh, of course, enough in my opinion. I don't believe politics are ever going to fix the brokenness of the human condition. I believe politics are one of the ways in which the brokenness of the human condition is managed, expressed, and pursued. Um, I, that's my belief. Um, I think any person who has been exposed very long um, to it will see the brokenness in it. It's not a plan to fix humanity. It's one of the ways in which humanity is broken. And so uh, we cannot accept a cynical cop-out. Um, and we as believers must continually remind ourselves our hope is not in this world. Our hope is not in this life. Uh, our hope is in Jesus Christ. And we have to have sympathy for the person who we are exposed to by the placement of the Lord. Lord, the Lord has placed these people around us and they're looking for something. We don't have, we, we have to learn how to speak to them. We have to speak their language while seeing what they are going through, while having empathy for them as they are tossing and turning, looking for something that puts the puzzle together. Uh, we have to be able to be held in our profound faith in Jesus Christ and yet have sympathy uh, for the individual who is seeking and longing uh, for that gift of wholeness uh, in their life. Um, so how do we talk to people? How do, how do we talk to people who are uh, obviously uh, seeking something and they're placed around us um, and we, we uh, are trying to help them uh, find a place of, of spiritual wholeness. We're trying to witness of the Lord Jesus Christ as someone they can believe in. You have to find a way to talk to that person patiently and uh, you can't rush it. And you have to oftentimes through patience and through questions. A lot of times they aren't ready for answers or they certainly aren't ready for your answers. But through questions, you can challenge them uh, with the understanding that they have to open themselves up and believe in something. They have to open themselves up and believe in something in order to go to go anywhere in this life. And it takes courage. It takes courage for them to do that. They have to, as it were, <clears throat> stop holding on uh, to the, <laughs> the, the pier and they have to jump into the, the ocean of life. They have to accept the risk. They have to believe in something. And yes, there will be heartbreak. And yes, there will be hurt. And yes, there will be failure. Um, but if we don't believe in something, we will always be left trying to hold the fragments of ourselves together. And then once they are uh, open to that, you then have to help them see the, the need to believe in something that's going to, that, that has merit, that has worth, that has value. Uh, Christmas is a great time to talk about the, the work of grace that Jesus Christ has done. Um, and if you have lived most of your life um, as the religious person in your family and your family primarily thinks that 
you are judging them or condemning them or you're doing wrong or you're doing wrong or you're doing wrong. If that is the opinion that your family has of you, um, I would say, first of all, that's unfortunate. Um, we, we need to understand how people are led to God and how it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. And we have to see, see how um, if they can't be touched by love, then law will, it won't even scratch the surface. Um, everything fails, but love doesn't fail. Spiritual power and authority fails. Um, law, prophets, uh, sacred poems, that all fails. But love, uh, it does not fail. The power of the angels, the word of authority, all of that, all of that fails, but love doesn't fail. Uh, and this is what we are called to manifest to our, our society. And so I will be praying for the people God has placed in my life, as you will be praying for the people God will, has placed in your life. And our prayers will go, Lord, how do we help them see you? We want not just to lecture about you. We want to demonstrate you in our life. We don't want them to feel primarily law from us. Law fails. It failed long before uh, the New Testament was ever written. Uh, law fails. I, they can't just get that. They have to get uh, the beauty that is in the story of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is no better season for talking about the beauty that's in this story than uh, the Christmas season. It, it is truly the best season to talk about the love of God. So what I want for Christmas uh, for everyone is someone to believe in. And I want you to know that someone is Jesus Christ. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Uh, let me give you some scriptures here at the uh, end. First John chapter number five, reading at verse 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. I believe in Jesus. First uh, Peter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiable, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I have something to believe in. I believe in the work that Jesus has done for me. Second Corinthians chapter number four, verse number 16. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, 
but the things that are unseen are eternal. And how about just one more? Jesus said to her, John 4, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. What the world needs for Christmas is someone to believe in. That someone, that something is not going to be politics, it's not going to be economics, it's not going to be philosophy. Uh, It is uh, higher than that. It is the highest star in our sky. It is the good news of Jesus Christ. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Lord Jesus, I pray you would be with each of us in this season. You have placed us uh, around people who are seeking. They may not know it. Their lives may be a bit of a mess. Uh, Their choices may seem to us uh, to be not just bad, but uh, in some ways uh, repugnant to us. We And in our carnality uh, or in our religious vanity, we turn away from them because uh, we reject their choices and we we, we fail to see that they're seeking, (laughs) they're they're searching, they're, they're, they're seeking, they're searching, and they're trying to find something to believe in. Even if it's just their own experience, even if it's just their own set of memories, they're trying to find something to believe in. Help us, rather than hating them, rather than having contempt for them, Help us to be sympathetic for their search for something to believe in and help us to manifest the truth that is in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. We love you. See you Sunday. It's going to be a great week. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.